You are listening to episode 79 Fertile Minds Radio, and I'm your host, Hillary Talbot Rowland. So I, I'm in the birthing pool. There is a light. I've got twinkle lights around. Um, there's a flashlight for my midwife to kind okay. of see what's going on in at the bottom of the pool. So it really wasn't bright. It just made this kind of beautiful, glowy aura. And so my, my second child's head emerges. We didn't know if it was a girl or a boy. And I was able to say, you know, Janie, look, do you see, you see the baby's head? And so she's like leaning over the the birth pool and is like, is that my baby? (laughs) And with, with a head out of my body and a body inside my body, I'm able to like carry on this conversation with my toddler, which I don't even rem- like I don't even completely remember it happening at the time but then looking back on the video it's like oh wow that's really freaking cool <laughs> If you're looking for holistic wisdom and a plan to reclaim your fertility to help you create a healthy family for generations to come, you're in the right place. This is Fertile Minds Radio. That expert you heard was our guest today, Caitlin Fusco, who is the creator and host of the podcast, Happy Home Birth. She is a wife and a mother of two with a desire to spread awareness of the safety and beauty of giving birth at home. Before beginning her podcast, Caitlin trained as a student midwife and she holds dear the practices of nutritional eating, fitness, and peaceful parenting, all areas where we aimed to give you as much education as possible on your journey to becoming a parent. Our conversation was about the beauty, really, of having a home birth and some myths around why it may or may not be a good idea. So if you've ever found yourself wondering who in the heck gives birth at home, and I would never even think of that, or my partner wouldn't let me, or maybe that would be nice, but do people really do that? You should definitely have a listen to today's episode. So without further ado, here's our conversation. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. I'm so excited to have you on. Oh, Hillary, thank you so much for this opportunity. I am really excited to be in this space. So you, as I mentioned in the intro, you have a podcast as well, Happy Home Birth. That is kind of your stick. You love to talk about all things home birth. And I can't wait for you to educate our listeners today because I feel like it's one of those areas that is kind of a hot button area in birth. You are so right. And yes, I could talk about home birth all day. So be sure to cap me off when it's time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> also, also for your listeners, I did just have my second home birth uh, just a few weeks ago. So I do have a little nursling. If you hear any funny grunty noises, she kind of sounds like a little bulldog sometimes. <laughs> well, I think that's perfect. It is after all, it is like national breastfeeding awareness month, right? So you're so right. So just, just staying on, on with the times. Okay. So I'm curious, how did you get into the world of midwifery? Cause you are a midwifery student and how did you end up doing a podcast on home birthing? Cause I don't, there aren't that many of them, right? No, I think I'm one of about two that specializes in home birth. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's one of those long windy stories, of course, as all of these things tend to be. Um, I went to Clemson university and got my major in American sign language. So boom, boom, there you go. You know, sign language, natural childbirth. It just totally makes sense. Not. Um, so I actually was one of those students who wanted to just get through as fast as possible. And that put a lot of stress on my body. I ended up at 19 years old having stomach ulcers 
And I was so uncomfortable. I finally went to a doctor, to my general practitioner, and she was like, yeah, you have stomach ulcers. Um, Not really much I can do about it. I'll just give you some Prevacid and you're just going to have to kind of learn to live with it. And I was like, are you trying to tell me that at 19 years old, I'm going to be on a medication for the rest of my life? And it just didn't, it didn't feel right to me. So I took a dive and started looking online and found a holistic practitioner in my area. So after seeing him, he did some bioenergetic feedback and was like, well, you do have a stomach ulcer. It's caused from parasites. And it's very likely that you wouldn't have this if you, number one, weren't so stressed. And number two, you know, we're eating kind of more properly. So this was just life-changing for me. I had never experienced anything like this, and it just made me really kind of reevaluate my entire trajectory. Uh, That being the case, once I graduated and got my bachelor's, I decided to enroll in a health coaching program. And during that program, you know, we were really encouraged to find a target audience. And I thought, hey, pregnant women, you know, if I can help pregnant women learn to eat better and take care of themselves, then I'm setting not only them up for success, but also the future generation. And something about that feels just awesome. So I did that. And and while doing so, I contacted all of the midwives in my area by creepily stalking the DHAC website and finding their contact information. <laughs> so, cause I just thought, well, these are the kind of women that might be open to this kind of thing. Um, so in doing that, I actually connected with the woman who would become my midwife and who I would apprentice under. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is definitely what I want for my clients. And I just don't have the time nor means to to educate them. So that's how I started. And then once I met my midwife, I was like, oh, this might be what I love, actually. Um, and started kind of going to some prenatal appointments and seeing how midwives do things. And then I was like, hey, you know, if if I could ever go to a home birth with you, I'd really love to see that. And she took me and immediately I was just overwhelmed at the beauty. I just couldn't couldn't even wrap my, rind, my mind around just how phenomenal this experience was. Um, and so then I was done. Like I've got to be at all of the home births now. And so I became an apprentice um, and went on to get pregnant not too much longer, about a year after that. Uh, I apprenticed throughout my pregnancy, throughout my daughter's first year. And then once she hit toddlerhood, it was like, okay, something is going to have to change because I can't sleep. I can't not sleep and also be a parent and also do all of these things. So for that time, I kind of stopped the midwifery practice. My midwife had actually moved to another state. And so I was working with another midwife who had a very, very busy practice. Um, So yeah, so I kind of put all of that on hiatus, focused on raising my daughter. And then about September of last year, I was like, you know what? There is not a resource for home birth mothers. You know, there's not much out there and this can be pretty isolating. So that's where I came, came up with the podcast idea and launched in January of this past year, January of 2019. I love that. I, I, so many things about that. I love, I mean, you are right. There definitely is a need for nutrition and, um, preconception planning for sure, because you have such a opportunity to affect the health of the next couple generations. And a lot of people don't 
know that. They don't even think about that, right? They just want to be pregnant yesterday or they feel so awful while they are pregnant that they're willing to just eat whatever they can get down. Um, And they have no idea how it can affect the health of their child, right? And exactly. You were so spot on. Birth just kind of hooks you. At least that was my experience. It was not my intention at all to ever be present in birth until I saw one. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen to this day. Um, sorry to my husband. Wedding day was probably second. <laughs> I love you, but <laughs> birth is just amazing. I mean, I know people think sometimes that it's gross, but to me, it's just time stops. It's, it's extraordinary. Oh, and there's something about all of that oxytocin. I mean, gosh, I think that, you know, it's the love drug. It's the most powerful, most powerful hormone there is, I feel like. For sure. And and I do think, you know, having witnessed births and birthing centers and hospitals and home, some of the most magical ones I've seen have been at home um, because you just, the person is more relaxed and there's just less commotion, less bright lights. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. Just, it's you know, it's their setting. And so to be able to come to them, I think is, it's such a gift that it was so overlooked because we live in a society often driven by fear, you know, sometimes yes. for good reason. <laughs> but right. Sure. Of course. I just love that you are actually educating the world on the fact that there are a lot of home births that go really, really well. Um, and that that is a possibility for many people. So, oh, absolutely. And, you know, and that's, that's what I feel like is overlooked because you are correct in the fact that number one, home birth isn't for everybody for, for many different reasons. One being that it's just uncomfortable to some people, the idea of giving birth at home. It's like, uh, no, like that's where I do my dishes. I'm not going to have a baby there. Um, but you know, really when you look at it medically, most women are low risk. And when it comes to low risk births, the studies and the research are all showing that home birth is just as safe, if not safer than going to the hospital. Um, So that I'm grateful that the research is kind of catching up with what some people might feel, you know, intrinsically and, and just gutturally. Right. I mean, because if you think about it up until 150 years ago, all births mm-hmm. were at home. Right. <laughs> right. It wasn't even a thing. That's the norm. Yeah. And still happening all over the planet and in a lot of instances in that way. And, you know, even men weren't even allowed near a birth, right? And yeah. most continents uh, up until very recently, if you're looking historically at, at birth. And I think that that's something that people don't think a lot about. Um, and I think there's the other side of it, which... I see it a lot is I'll hear from women in the treatment room, like, Oh, I would love to have a home birth, but my husband would never let that go down. (laughs) Right. And we forget that we're talking about two people's opinions and considerations based on how they were raised and how they feel about the medical model and that they both have a say in it. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that that's such a valid point um, because it is, it's a team. And one of the things so that I feel like, I feel like a lot of times, and this isn't always the case, but a lot of times when the husband realizes, you know, because it sounds crazy, like it's not what we think of. It's not normal. It's, it's off the beaten path, uh, at least in the United States. Um, And so 
once husbands do kind of get exposed to what home birth really is like and the fact that, hey, it's not just some hippie midwife coming into your house smelling like patchouli, like this is actually a medical provider, a lot of those fears get get taken care of. And oh my goodness, when you see all of the supplies that a midwife brings, all the medical equipment and when you hear all of the training that they have, you know, that really, really puts things into perspective. Right. And you get to do all of your, your, um, prenatal visits at home. Like they come to you, which is, I can't even tell you how amazing that is. Like, that's one of the things that is women don't even think about, you know, and especially if they've had fertility problems, right. They feel like they're at a doctor's office of some sort every week, sometimes multiple times a week. And then to just continue that way through the next nine months, like how much of your life are you giving up being in a doctor's office when you can just have your midwife come to your home? Yeah. I think you're right. Extraordinary. That's a lot of fluorescent lights, you know, <laughs> that's just a lot. And, and, you know, a lot of midwives do have their own, um, offices set up, but typically that is, it's like a home office or it's set up like a home. Um, and then of course there are home visits. There are some midwives that solely do home visits. Um, but especially as you get towards the end of your pregnancy, a lot more is happening at home. And then just that idea of, okay, I just had a baby. I want to curl up in my bed and take a nap and maybe have somebody make me some breakfast foods. Like that, that's a reality with home birth that, that a lot of people don't, you know, you would never even think of that. Right. That's, you know, when, when I have, I go over a lot of um, birthing plans with my patients. And one of the things that we'll get into is, you know, what vaccinations do you want or not want, you know, right as birth <clears throat> happens and they'll be like, well, can I say no to that? And I'm like, of course you can say no to that. And you know, we'll talk about why, you know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer completely, but like why you wouldn't want to do certain things. Like, you know, if you have a girl, do you really need to give a vitamin K injection? And right. I'll often bring up the, the point of like, well, if you had a home birth, you would actually have a week <laughs> to think about this before you even brought your baby to the pediatrician. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I talk about with moms, because in my sphere, I feel like a lot of it is Okay. So think about a few years ago, there was not a lot of talk about natural childbirth. There just wasn't. And in the last few years, it has certainly increased and way more people are talking about it. Way more people are using midwives in the hospital. And I'm so, so happy for that. Home birth, still pretty fringe. But one of the things that I discuss with women and try to, to put into perspective is the fact that if you're going into a hospital to have a natural childbirth, you can totally do it. You 100% can do it, but it can be depending on the OB that you happen to get that happens to be on call, depending on the, the nurses that happen to be working, you know, at that time, it can be an uphill battle and it can be a struggle and you might have to really fight and push and advocate for yourself for the things that you want that if you were to give birth at home would just would just be the norm you know that's just kind of how it works so it's definitely an interesting thing to consider right i find that cuz and i do have a practice of um ob's and midwives that deliver in a hospital that i refer many women to here in my town because their midwives are amazing and it's kind right. of the best of both worlds but there is that uphill battle that you're talking about of you have to be very explicit of like, please don't ask me if I want an epidural every five minutes. 
Right. Please don't use the word pain. Like, do not remind me. Exactly. (laughs) I I am feeling this. I know know what's what's going on. Right. Um, And you can find providers that are sensitive to that, but you also don't know, like somebody could be on vacation and you could end up with a resident um, who might not have ever even seen a natural childbirth. Like I remember it's probably about gosh, five years ago, I was in a hospital setting with a patient and she wanted all natural and she, she got her all natural birth and there, they had nursing students there. And one of the nursing students came up to me and kind of whispered, she goes, do you know what a birthing bar is? And I said, yeah. I said, do you, do you guys actually have one here? And she's like, I think that's what I just saw in the storage closet, but nobody knows what it is. So I was like, yeah, 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 go get it. Like, let's hook it up. And by the end of this birth, there were like five nurses crowded around because they had never seen it in natural birth. Right. It, it's like a spectacle, right? uh, you know, when you haven't seen it, it's like, oh my gosh, it, it can, it can be this way. It can be, you better. know, it can, I can't believe that. Yeah. Whereas if you're at home, that's not even on the table, right? It's like, exactly. it's not even an option. It's just something that you're like, no, I'm going to get through this. And this is, this is my circumstance, right? That. And then also, you know, there are so, when you're taking the time to, um, to go have a midwife and to, a lot of times you'll consider having a doula, um, you're going to be learning so many techniques to deal with that discomfort, um, that you'll realize you know, maybe medication wasn't needed after all, maybe having just a calm, quiet atmosphere with low lights and water to get in and someone to hold my hand or rub my back or just sit there and be completely silent. You know, that is, that's so much pain management without, you know, without any actual intervention. Oh, for sure. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a woman in active labor And they get to a hospital and it's like bright lights, big cities, contractions stop because all of a sudden they're in fight or flight. It's, it's like night and day from when they were laboring at home to the hospital. Absolutely. And then yes. And, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that just opens the door for intervention, right? Yep. You're so right. And it's, it's crazy. Um, So going from that home birth kind of place where I've, I had been going to attending home births and that's really all I knew and saw. I did do some kind of doula work. It was really friendship doula work for a few friends and, and they were having births, trying to have births naturally in the hospital. Um, and it was incredible. Like, you know, once the baby, once the mom begins pushing, it's like, holy cow, how many spotlights do you guys need? And how many people are in this room? It's, it's kind of crazy, but but like I said, it can certainly be done and there's totally a place for the hospital and giving birth. There's totally a place for medical intervention. Um, but like I said, a lot of, a lot of moms are low risk and don't even realize that home birth is an option on the table. So that's where, that's where I come in and I'm trying to educate women that, Hey, look, look at this, this, this could be something cool for you to consider. Right. And you can always transfer into a hospital should you need that. Right. Like, I think that's the other thing we forget that we live in this all or nothing society that, Hey, you could potentially want just decide to have a home birth. And if something pops up, you can transfer into a hospital. They're not going to treat you like a refugee. <laughs> like, Yeah. And 
you know what's uh, what's so cool about that is even you know a midwife when attending your birth, there could be a reason that that you do medically need to transport into the hospital. Um, but even when that's the case, even if you were to end up with a cesarean section, another huge difference is just the care that you receive prenatally and how beneficial it is, how beneficial that midwifery model of care really can be for you uh, on a mental and spiritual level during such an incredible time of your life. Right. Because they're, they see less patients. They have one more one-on-one time with you. And one of the big things that we were talking about before we recorded was that you've had two home births and they were very different. And you cited one reason that I think I love, I hope our listeners love it, but what was your reason (laughs) that your home births were so different? Absolutely. So in the meantime, um, so really, actually, I guess it kind of comes with experience. With with my first home birth, I, I'd seen a lot of births. I hadn't seen one like my second quite. Um, but I... I just went through with the motions. I I dealt with the discomfort, and then once the baby was coming out, I felt the what's called the fetal ejection reflex. And it's kind of like people say. Some people get really annoyed when you say this, but I think it's hilarious. It's kind of like throwing up backwards. Like there's no stopping it. It's just coming. It's just happening. I'm just pushing. Um, and so I experienced that with my first beautiful birth. It was long, but it was beautiful and incredible. With my second, I went into it with this knowledge, especially after doing my podcast and hearing so many different stories, um, that I could play more of a role in my birth and in my experience. And I had a place. I didn't have to just be, you know, I didn't just have to go with, it's kind of hard to put it into words. It's like, I I didn't have to be someone watching it. I could really be experiencing it. Um, And that all came in came into a mindfulness practice. Um, And really, as I visualized my birth in the weeks, months before giving birth, I saw myself being the person in control. I felt myself having my birth and doing exactly what I wanted to do and feeling exactly what I wanted to feel. Um, So when it came to the actual labor, it was Oh, like I really just say it was magical. You know, I had a beautiful first birth. My second birth was magical. And I was able to slow down and really experience every moment of labor. And then once it came to time to push my baby out, um, I stayed present instead of just going to that place of, oh, I just got to get her out. You know, it was like, okay, no, like slow down, breathe through this experience this. Okay. It's a lot of pressure, but just breathe through it. Okay. Here's her head to the point where my daughter's head emerged. I'm in a birthing pool. Um, my toddler daughter, who's two and a half was in the room. And that was really important to me, which is something that a lot of people would never even consider. Um, but it was really important to me to have her be a part of this. And so I, I'm in the birthing pool. There is a light. I've got twinkle lights around. Um, there's a flashlight for my midwife to kind of see what's going on in at the bottom of the pool. So it really wasn't bright. It just made this kind of beautiful, glowy aura. And so my, my second child's head emerges. We didn't know if it was a girl or a boy. Um, and I was able to say, you know, Janie, look, do you see, you see the baby's head? And so she's like leaning over the the birth pool and is like, is that my baby? <laughs> and with, with a head out of my body and a body inside my body, I'm able to like carry on this 
conversation with my toddler, um, which I don't even like, I don't even completely remember it happening at the time, but then looking back on the video, it's like, oh, wow, that's really freaking cool. (laughs) Yeah. And it's evidence of just how present you were, right? That you are just allowing quite literally life to flow through you, right? Energetically Mm -hmm. and metaphorically and physically all at once. Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. That, that takes the cake. I mean, there really couldn't be a more, a more beautiful experience in my mind. And, and that is exactly what I want to offer to other women that, you know, that want it. Um, but, but we just so often in our culture see birth as this medical event and it's heartbreaking when it could be so much more and, and we don't realize it. Right. And I, like many things in women's health, it has been medicalized, right? Like menopause. Mm -hmm. Menopause is not a disease, but you wouldn't know that by listening to TV advertisements, right? That's a great point. I mean, what's next? Puberty? I think that's like the only thing they have left. (laughs) Oh oh my gosh. You're so right. You're so right that it just becomes this whole to-do when if we can really just be mindful and let nature happen, it it's beautiful and it works wonderfully and it's something to be enjoyed, not something to be feared. So I love that you brought up the fetal ejection response because that's something that like, I didn't even know about until God, probably seven years ago. I did, I'd been to a couple births. I was never talked about. It was always really controlled pushing, you know, directed yes. by an OB and that fetal ejection response is it's a real thing for sure. I just, I just had a friend that accidentally gave birth herself in her bathroom because birth had started and it was her second. And her husband was like trying to go get the toddler in the car to take her to grandma's. And she basically felt that happen and was like, we're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. This is happening. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh, my body is doing this. (laughs) Hey, I can't do anything about the fact that this is happening, which is what's so like, annoying to me about, I've heard so many stories of women who are in the hospital and, you know, they're, they're dilated completely and they're feeling their bodies start to push and, and maybe the doctor is not quite available yet. And the nurse is like, don't push, don't push. And it's like, okay, woman, listen here. (laughs) Right. I can't do anything about what is happening to my body right now. Yeah. I, 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 I think the biggest thing and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on to talk about home births and midwifery is because I think that it's part, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat here for a second. Go for it. (laughs) Give me one too. (laughs) (laughs) Of kind of stripping women from their power. Mm, We're not reminded that we know how to do this. And yes, we can in fact birth our own babies if we had to, right? doesn't mean that we don't have the choice to do it in other settings, but that's not talked about. (laughs) And there, you know, the, the Western model in so many offices has turned to just a fear-based model of, don't you want to be a good mom? Wouldn't you take antibiotics and in your IV and wouldn't you, you know, get a cesarean at first you know, or even schedule a cesarean because we think your baby's big for your size, which I love oh. because God knows they can be off by two pounds. On that and pounds. also, I just I just saw a um, 
an Instagram post of a woman who had a 14 pound baby at home without any tearing at all. So don't come at me with that, please. (laughs) And then, you know, and then the other thing that we are not educated on is how midwives learn very special skills that are no longer taught in medical schools and OB rotations, like perineal massage (laughs) and how to deliver a baby breach if you had to, right? (laughs) If there was no time, that is a skill. It's, it's something that unless you were taught, of course you're uncomfortable doing it and you want to do major abdominal surgery instead. Which is yes, which is what they're taught. And, and I think that you could have just stopped that with how to deliver a baby because of course they can, of course they can do that. But This is the difference that I find the most with OB care and midwifery care, the midwifery model. Number one, like we already said, OBs are just so busy. Holy cow. They're incredible. They're surgeons. They're doing so much. They have so many clients. Um, So when you go for your, your prenatal appointments, oftentimes, you know, it's 15 minutes. It's a ton of waiting. And then you get into the room, you talk to your doctor for five two 15 minutes max, and then you're out the door. Well, really, what all can you accomplish in that small amount of time? Can you really get to know somebody in that small amount of time? And OB practices, at least in my area, are generally pretty big. Um, So we don't know who's going to be at our birth. We might meet this person. We might not meet this person. With midwifery care and the midwifery model, they're trained in natural physiologic birth. That's their specialty. So OB specialty, surgery. Midwifery specialty, natural physiologic birth that that's not complicated. Um, and so then the other thing is when you have a, mid, a midwifery prenatal appointment, typically those are anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour, maybe more. Um, and it's the same person or same few people every single time. So you know who's going to be at your birth um, and they know you and they know what you need, what you like, what you don't like. Um, That makes a massive difference, I would say. And so like, like I was saying, I, I have such reverence and respect for obstetricians. I think that they're phenomenal um, for emergencies and for for a need for surgery, it's, yeah, you can't get any better than that. Um, But for that natural, normal birth, how can we expect one person to do everything? You know, midwives, that's what they're trained in. That's what they're certified in. That's what they know, like the back of their hand. Um, So when you're looking for a natural birth, that's, that's a great place to start. I'm so glad that you explained the difference of that because, you know, OBs are vitally important to our society. I have been present at births where I've been super happy to be in a hospital, right? Because of complications where if a cesarean didn't exist, both mother and baby would have perished. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's an important distinction, right? Um, And I've even had patients go as far as to have that were, especially when they had a partner that was concerned about home birth, but they really wanted a natural home birth to have a midwife that did their preconception care. And then they also did visits with an OB at a hospital as well. And so they, and, and this particular patient that I was thinking of was, was advanced maternal age. And so she would be on that list of someone that 
you would not necessarily think of right away for a safe home birth, but it was really what she wanted. It was important to her culture. Um, and so she said, Hey, I'm going to pay two providers. I'm going to go to twice as many prenatal care appointments. And if something goes wrong, I have the doctor on call, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Like that's a, that's a great way to, to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you have the means and the time for that, certainly that's not everyone's situation, but I, again, I, I just bring it up because I think it's something that people think that we live in an all or nothing society, right? Like that you're going to be shunned if you suddenly have to go to an OB after you've been to a midwife, um, or vice versa. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and so that's another thing that I would, I would love to kind of touch on for a moment is midwifery care and what that means in, in an emergency and how that's handled, because that is certainly one of the biggest fear aspects of why someone would say like, no way home birth. Like that's, that's just crazy talk. Um, but you know, like I said, your appointments with your midwife, they're, they're long and they're, depthy and you're talking about things like nutrition that that an OB probably isn't going to have the time to discuss with you. Um, so these people know you very well and they're trained to pick up on red flags. So you've got very high blood pressure. Okay, well that is is typically not safe for a home birth. Um, you know, okay, you've got these different symptoms, that's typically not safe for a home birth. So they they will risk people out as, as the time approaches. Um, so if you need to be in a hospital, they're going to, they're not going to, to just be like, Oh, well, whatever. We'll just try it anyway. No, it, that's, that's not how it works. Um, and then also in labor, you know, things happen in labor that, you know, a red flag might pop up and then maybe another. And that is when a midwife is going to say, okay, it's time for us to transport you to the hospital. Um, this isn't an emergency, but if we were to stay, it could become an emergency. So like I said, they're trained on normal physiologic birth. When something is outside of that scope, that's when they know, hey, it's time for us to to head on in before there's an emergency. Uh, and then let's say that there is an emergency. So the two most common emergent issues are for baby, the baby's not breathing, when born and for mom that the mom hemorrhages or loses too much blood. Well, the great thing is, is that midwives are trained in neonatal resuscitation. So what would happen is a midwife would be giving life-saving breaths to a newborn um, and any EMS would be called. So that, that takes care of that one big concern. They come with an oxygen tank. They come with a mask. You know, they are incredibly trained. And then with mom, when it comes to blood loss, first of all, uh, when we, when we talk about nutrition, you know, there are a lot, a lot of herbs that, that midwives know about and recommend to mothers during pregnancy to help with the prevention of a hemorrhage in the first place. And then secondly, if you, if this is a certified midwife, you know, there are places where midwifery is illegal. And so things are different in that situation, but I'm talking about specifically certified professional midwives. Um, they do have the ability to administer Pitocin, which, you know, is often used in the hospital to 
begin labor. Um, but in a home birth setting, that would be for a mother who has given birth to the baby and is losing blood. Um, that is something that's given. Methrogen is another thing that's given. And then you would transport to the hospital. So um, those are the two big concerns that people have, or they're the, just the two most common things that happen and people don't realize like, okay, but there is a plan, you know, it's not just like, whoops, oh, that happened. Now what, you know, there's midwives are so, so trained um, to handle those types of situations. Right. And because they carry such high liability, right? Like this is their livelihood. This is what they do. They're going to err on the side of caution every time. Right. Yes. 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 And and you need to find a certified, I, my preference, you can do, you know, whatever you want. Unassisted home birth is legal in every state. Um, my love is for certified professional midwives and the fact that they do hold themselves to very specific, specific standards, um, and are able to, to corroborate with obstetricians are able to corroborate with, um, your general practitioner. That is, a beautiful thing when you're able to integrate all types of care and really, really provide, that's how you provide safety in my opinion. So how does somebody find a certified midwife so that they know that they're getting somebody that's highly credentialed and that can interface with an OB if need be? That's a great question. And really what you would want to do depending on your area, you can get online and search for the midwives local to you. Um, and then if they might have it listed online or when you were to call them for an interview, you would ask them, you know, what are your credentials? Um, and like I said, I, I prefer to work with certified professional midwives because they are held to certain standards and are able to work with obstetricians. Now, granted, you know, you do have to ask each individual midwife, you know, what is your relationship like with our local hospital? Do you have a working relationship? Do you have providers that work with you? Um, Because some providers are hostile to midwifery and some are not. And um, so making sure that you are supported in all of the ways, you know, is, is really key. I think that that's great advice and super important, right? Because you do want to not have any fears in the back of your mind if you were to get transferred as to what that would look like. And I think that's really important for your partner as well. Hmm. I think that's a, yes, yes. And like we mentioned, you know, it, it is, it's a team and, um, and you do want both people to be very comfortable with what's going on. So how, how do you know that a home birth is a good fit for your situation other than what your gut is telling you? Like you mentioned some of the red flags, but like, do you have a list that you would present to people of like, this would exclude you from care just so that someone doesn't necessarily maybe like try and convince their partner when they're not even a candidate for it. Right. That, that's a great question. I, and I do think that no matter what you should talk to a midwife because they're going to be the one that will know your situation specifically. You know, they're going to take all of your information. They're going to ask about family history. They're going to be in conversation with your general practitioner. Um, so they would be, they'll be the ones to know like, okay, this is, this is high risk. This is low risk, but really it, it kind of does just boil down to that. Are you considered high risk? If you're considered high risk, typically a home birth is, is not going to be the best choice for you. And, and a midwife likely will not 
take you um, just based off of their scope of practice. Now, some things that are, quote, high risk, for example, your um, your example of gestational age of, you know, being maybe she was 35. 35 is now considered geriatric. Um, <laughs> yes, I know. For, for, <laughs> which is ridiculous. It's like, okay, this is kind of goofy, you know? Um, so, so uh, oftentimes age won't be quite the factor in a home birth. It could, it could factor in if there were other medical complications for sure. Um, but just, just like, Hey, I'm 35. Your midwife's not going to be like, Oh, well too bad. You're old. <laughs> like, Right. Go to the hospital. Um, but other common ones would be like blood pressure issues. Um, and of course, you know, placental situations could play a huge part. Like if you were diagnosed with placenta previa, that's, you know, that's going to be in the hospital. Twins is typically, typically in the hospital. Now that's, you know, that's also state legislation. So you really do have to check and figure out what's going on with each situation. And each state has its own rules, which is, you know, I get it, but it's kind of hard and frustrating. Um, and then vaginal birth after cesarean. So if you've had a cesarean section before, um, at least in my state, that does risk you out of home birth, which I do find frustrating, but I do understand. Um, and that would be another great time to find a midwife in the hospital setting or in a birth center that's, you know, connected to a hospital type setting. All right. That's super helpful. Cause in, you know, acupuncture is kind of the same way and that there are different, um, laws according to which state that you live in. Um, and that can be somewhat maddening, especially if you move from a state where there's an amazing practice act to a state where there's a not so amazing practice act. Yes. So that's something that you can often look up on your state's department of health website. Um, and if you don't understand that jargon, then you can ask for the midwife to explain it to you for sure. Exactly. And, and if you look at, uh, state legislation, just, you know, um, geographically near me. So I'm in South Carolina where mid midwifery is, is legal. If you go up a state in North Carolina, midwifery is, you know, home birth by, by a license or a certified professional midwife. That's illegal. There's no licensure in North Carolina. And then down to Georgia, it's illegal. So there's no ruling one way or the other. So just in that small clump, you know, it just shows you how different the legislation is and how, mind-bogglingly confusing it can be. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Makes makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. We all get here through birth, yet it's something that is not uniform. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe we don't want it to be uniform because right. those rights could completely be taken away from us, right? Yes. Yep. <laughs> so not only have you managed to birth two children at home and you've got a newborn you have created a podcast that's only been around since January. You're gangbusters. I went and saw how many episodes you are like on point doing them every week, which is hats off to you. Cause I know how hard that is. You're also creating, or you've created a childbirth class specific to home birthing, which to my knowledge doesn't even exist right now. Yeah. So it doesn't exist right now. And mine actually doesn't even completely exist right now. I'm definitely still in the creation uh, phase. I'm working with a number of midwives, a number of doulas, and then actual mothers to create a course that is exactly what they all are looking for. You know, I want this to be something that everyone can agree on. Yes, this is what a woman would need to know to have a successful home birth or, you know, should something 
changed, if they've got to go to the hospital, what would that look like? Um, so I am in the process of working on that. My goal is for it to be out by the beginning of 2020. Um, so I, that's really, really what I'm working on, but I'm still in some pretty beginning stages. And, um, and then I'm also in the middle of creating or compiling really a book of happy home birth stories. So, you know, 1% of Americans or less give birth at home. Um, that's a small number and it can feel very isolating. I've noticed that, you know, with, with a lot of clients in the past that, their husband is is oftentimes completely on board, but you know we've got other family members, we've got friends, and everyone's looking at you like you're crazy, and it's really hard to explain to them why this is what what I want. Um, so, kind of creating a community of support, encouragement, and education, and uh, a home book, um, a home birth book, uh, is really I feel like a great way to do that because it shows stories of all of these other women that have successfully done this. And that's really what the podcast is about as well, is just giving that support. Support. I cannot speak. It's the baby. Um, giving that support, that encouragement, and that education. I think that's awesome that you're providing different ways for women to get a little pick-me-up because I can certainly imagine that you might be steadfast in your decision to have a home birth, but other people weighing in as they often do oh, <laughs> all yes. kinds of things in your pregnancy. Wow. I had no idea. By the way, <laughs> uh, could sometimes bring you down a notch or two. And so to have, you know, a book to go to and your podcast to go to in a, in a birthing class that just helps you feel extra confident in your choice is just a priceless uh, piece of knowledge. So thank you for going the extra mile and, and, and finding your calling and, and going forward with it. Cause that's not always easy either. Oh, well, I really, really appreciate that. And, um, I love the fact that, you know, it's clear that your listeners care deeply about their health and, and not just their physical health, but their mental and spiritual health. So I love being able to, to provide this information. So where can people find you if they want to find out more information or they want to visit your show notes with your um, podcast, Happy Home Birth? Yes. Okay. So my website is myhappyhomebirth.com and that's where you can get to everything. I've actually got a podcast player up there um, or you can, it, it will like divert you to different places that you can listen. So I personally listen to podcasts on Stitcher or Spotify usually. So you can find it there. You can find it on iTunes slash Apple podcasts, Google play, all the places. Um, and, or you can just in any of those apps type in happy home birth and, and you should be able to find it very easily. Uh, I do want to point people to a specific episode just based off of our conversation. Episode 17 is called, um, home birth 101. And it's actually a conversation between myself and my midwife for my second child. Um, and she really goes through the, the, the basics of midwifery and what that looks like. Um, so that's kind of, kind of nice to point people in that direction. Um, and then to speak to me personally, I am, you can find me the easiest on Instagram at happy home birth podcast. Um, I'm pretty active there and, um, yeah. And I, I just love connecting with people. So please, please reach out. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, for your time. I know it's precious right now with your kids, but 
again, thank you for your crusade to help educate women that home birth can be a safe and um, happily mystical experience, mm-hmm. which it sounds like from your second birth. Yeah, that's perfect. That's a perfect way to describe it. And and thank you, Hillary. I, I appreciate all that you're doing and for allowing this time for me to come on and share. You're very welcome. Uh, and if you're listening, Biggest thank you to you. We know your time is our your most valuable asset and that you've given it to us today. So if you have questions about this episode or you want to download uh, even an acupressure guide to help you during your birth, whether that happened to be in a hospital or a home setting, all you have to do is go to ladypotions.com and look under the pregnancy tab for this episode with Caitlin Fusco. Thanks again. Bye for now. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, I invite you to become part of the Fertile Minds Collective. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all of this material and we fine tune it to your unique fertility journey. Go to ladypotions.com and click on the banner at the top of the page to sign up.